This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. Top of the news this evening is speculation concerning the real facts behind the Department of Health announcement about a radioactive spill supposed to have occurred yesterday at the state nuclear plant. You know what you're thinking. Mine's bigger than yours, right? It's not fair. Throw it away. All right? Tons of popcorn there. Yeah. And all you gotta do is go climb a tree to go eat it. <laughs> it was a night like any other night. Then something happened. Oh, good lord. It's. It's unbelievable. It's. It's horrible. Welcome to the Really Awful Movies Podcast, a celebration of low-budget cinema. The sleep of reason gives birth to monsters. Hi, my name's Chris, and along with Jeff, we're bringing you the very best and worst of horror, sci-fi, post-apocalyptic wasteland, kung fu, and women in prison movies from the 1960s to today. Check us out at reallyawfulmovies.com, part of the Crypt TV family. It was 1945, the night of the graduation dance. The war overseas had just ended. The terror at home Boy. was about to begin. Roy? Come on. Come on, kid. Don't play hard to get. What about New Year's Eve? Well, that was different. I couldn't help myself. The Prowler. If he wants you, he'll get you. Tonight, the terror begins again. They never found out who did it. It had to be someone in town, someone who knew that she was called Rose. And Mark, that guy still might be around here. Oh, man, I don't believe this. You're talking about something that happened over 30 years ago. Whenever the time was right, he'd come back. The Prowler. If he wants you... He'll get you. He waited for her. 
the Prowler. If he gets you, you'll wish you were dead. From our downtown Toronto headquarters, here's episode 91, Joseph Zito's The Prowler. Extra, extra, extra. 1945, the Queen Mary bringing home 14,256 vets from uh, Europe back to America. Our boys uh, come back from fighting the uh, the Fuhrer. <laughs> They've vanquished the Third Reich and come back from the Pacific Theater and from Europe. <laughs> and they come back victorious. We welcome our doughboys and our GIs. Okay, that's that's my uh, 1945 newsreel voice. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. That was <laughs> pretty I think you missed your calling, yeah. And some of our boys are going to be uh, reuniting with their sweethearts. And other and ones are going to be dealing with the mental and physical fallout of war for years to come. And some may turn into serial killers. And that's pretty much what's going to happen in this movie. The Prowler from yes. 1980. Directed by Joseph Zito. So we, we have uh, <laughs> tail end of the war here, 1945. We have a, a dance in the fictional town of Avalon Bay, mm-hmm. and we've got Big Band Entertainment featuring yes. the likes of Big Band leader Glenn Miller, who I found out after watching this, <laughs> you know... Uh, some well, was a band playing Glenn Miller... Yes, and Glenn Miller himself wasn't at the dance. No, he couldn't make it because he <laughs> he died over the English Channel yeah. in 1944. That would make it a little difficult to yeah. play so. some Podunk Town <laughs> yeah. graduation dance. But uh. so here, this 1981 sort of Podunk uh, thriller, and uh, via this movie, I was able to learn more about the life and times of big band leader uh, Glenn Miller. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, the what was the name of the song they were playing? Oh yes, the band was playing Little Brown Jug, just like <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, a uh, big band uh, drinking too. Um, popular in the 40s and mm-hmm. everyone was cutting the rug to the big brown jug or little brown jug <laughs> whatever it was there's lots of rug being cut and, and lots of jugs being drank <laughs> yeah okay, so yeah and uh, there's an amorous uh, duo yes yeah, there's a little shitty guy named roy and mm-hmm. he uh he walks out with his uh his paramour whom he brought to the dance and they go to a uh they basically leave the dance and they take a little bit of a moonlight stroll to a gazebo in order to um, you know, be alone. Be alone. At this point, we should mention that the the female of the couple is one Rosemary. And um, at the beginning of this movie, after the newsreel footage, we then uh, go to a close up of a letter being read by a, uh, somebody, and we hear a voice. You know that female voiceover thing that always happens when someone's reading a letter. We got that you know the voice reading it to us, and it's a dear John letter. Dear John letters. For those that don't know are written when there's a couple and one person wants to end the relationship with another. So they write a letter, which is known as the Dear John letter. And it's, I guess it would be like the equivalent today of like breaking up by text. I mean, <laughs> yes. it's, pretty, it's a pretty <laughs> shitty thing to do. Which one would hope someone wouldn't do if their loved one was fighting in Fallujah or something. But you exactly. never know. <laughs> right, right. So yeah, if someone's fighting overseas, you know... Um, Fighting off the scourge of Hitler, yeah. and, you know, fighting for your freedom, and then you know, and you then just, all they get in the mail is they're in the trenches. Oh, and I got a letter from my sweetheart. Yeah. Oh, 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 dear, dear John. dear John. Also, a '90s sitcom of little renown, yeah. starring Judd Hirsch. Yeah, exactly. Very, I, very... I, for some inexplicable reason, I watched. But anyhow, <laughs> so so Rosemary um, had a boyfriend who was fighting overseas. She breaks up with him via this me- uh, mechanism, mechanism yeah. of communication, this Dear John letter, and now she's with this new guy, Roy, and they're making out in the gazebo. So, 
you know, they're, they're getting all hot and heavy, and uh, before you know, we see uh, a hulking figure clad in army fatigues. And in a, in a previous podcast, we talked a lot about My Blade Valentine, both the original and the remake, and we talked about the, the, the coolness of Harry Warden. And one thing that's really cool about Harry Warden is just the look of Warden. I mean, the guy is, you know, clad in uh, the, the um, regalia that you would be clad in if you were a, a minor. His face is obscured by a gas mask, and it just, it just had this sort of cool sort of mystique about him. Now, this, this menace is um, clad in army fatigues. He's got the helmet. Um, he's got, his face is obscured by uh, a bandana of some mm-hmm. sort. Um, but for some inexplicable reason, he's wielding a pitchfork. Yes. Which is very incongruous with the outfit. I mean, he's, he, this is not American Gothic. Yeah. <laughs> but he's really a pitchfork. Now, mind you, it makes for a great kill. Yeah. Uh, a couple good kills this movie, but it really is bizarre, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, these two are there, and they're, they're just going at it. And uh, the, uh, our killer, who I guess we'll call the Prowler. I mean, mm-hmm. he is the Prowler. They called him the Prowler in the movie, yeah. He, he looms over the couple, takes the pitchfork, and jams it in the back of one, Shish kebabs both of them. It goes to the other. Blood just, you know, drips all throughout the clothing. Yeah. And that's it. They are finito. Yeah, it reminded me, I forget which uh, which installment of Friday the 13th, the dual skewering where they're in the act of lovemaking. That was they, part two. Uh, part two, yeah, yeah an excellent one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you mentioned uh, My Bloody Valentine. <laughs> in that one, they canceled... Uh, the dance because of a horrible mining accident that occurred, trapping miners down there and killing a bunch of them. They decide to cancel the dance for years to come. Mm-hmm. And in much the same way, the Prowler, uh, they decide to cancel their college graduation, college graduation dance. dance. And inexplicably, it was done under the auspices of one Major Chatham. Yeah. And who knew that... Uh, someone of his military rank would have <laughs> auspices over whether they held a dance in some podunk town, but apparently he's the man who had to sign off on such things. Yeah, and it's interesting because uh, Chatham is played by, uh, I mean, the guy's in a wheelchair, and it's not one uh, line of dialogue in the entire movie, but he's played by uh, famed character actor Lawrence Tierney, who uh, had a pretty sizable role in Reservoir Dogs, and he also played uh, Lane Bennis' father in Seinfeld in one single solitary episode, but the guy was such a shit on set that uh, Larry David, whoever was writing Seinfeld at the time, blew the second season said, fuck it, you know what, that's it, no more Lane's father, <laughs> he's done. Uh, but Tierney's in this movie, again, no dialogue, he never gets up from his wheelchair, um, he has a bit of a red herring, I guess, but that's yeah. in that. And now he also went to Friday the 13th, um, and cool thing about this is that um, this movie was directed by Joseph Zito, as you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Now, Joseph Zito got the call to direct what is my favorite Friday the 13th movie, bar none, Friday the 13th, the final chapter, the fourth one in the series, as a direct result of The Prowler. Um, the producers saw it, they thought, wow, this is good, and they brought him on to direct the final chapter, which, as I said before, is the best Friday the 13th movie. I, I defy anyone to tell me that another one is better. Yeah, huh, it's, it's my sure. favorite. Um, I mean, you know, when you have a series like Friday the 13th with 12 movies, people will say, oh, I like this one. To me, part four, all the way, the best. But anyway, getting back to this uh, this town. What's the name of the town again? Avalon Bay Avalon or something? Avalon Bay, yeah. Yeah. So it's this coastal town, and um, yeah, it's now 35 years prior, and I mean, I'm sorry, 35 years hence, and um, it's 1980, 
And finally, you know, the show must go on. Enough yeah. living in fear, we're going to have a dance. Uh, despite <laughs> now Major that the Adams, original victims, children can, can actually enjoy themselves yeah, or whatever, yeah. you know. Despite Major three and a half Adams, decades uh, on. Mute protestations. <laughs> really the <laughs> they decide to finally have another graduation dance. Now, um, this one sort of confused me uh, because there's, there's a sheriff's deputy who's mm-hmm. there because the main sheriff, I guess, goes on a fishing trip later on. So yeah, that's, a, sheriff, that, that's Sheriff George Fraser, and he's played by. Farley Granger. Like, I'm, I'm, yes. I'm talking a lot like Troy McClure in this one. Yeah, you know yeah. from Hitchcock film. Yeah, he was in he was in Strangers on a Train. He was in Rope, and uh, yeah, so he's kind of slumming it in this one. Yeah, and the deputy is played by nobody of note, but he did have a really impressive head of Bruce Jenner hair. Yes, he did. I mean, I, 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 what I thought was really weird because I couldn't determine whether these were high school girls or college girls, mm. and, and considering how much the town rallied around this, I thought it was high school girls. And then I was trying to think, like, why is this cop hanging around with these people? And I thought. Okay, that that was how I determined that they were in college. Mm-hmm. But I thought for sure it was a high school dance. But anyway, it's neither here nor there. Is yep. one you know, in, lots of inferences to be made in this movie. Oh yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in this movie that is not explained. And yeah, we, the the audience has to infer. For example, why was he wielding a pitchfork? Perhaps he was a a farmer before he was conscripted mm-hmm. to go to the army. Hey, you know that, yeah. that might have uh, that makes sense. But, um, but, you know, but because they are in college, I mean, you've got a gr- group of, uh, you know, attractive young ladies living in a dormitory. Of course. And they're getting ready for the shindig. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of them is taking a little bit longer than the other, and she's in the shower. And before you know it, the house is invaded, and our pitchfork wheeling killer, another great scene. First, I mean, you get the fake out, you know, shower opens, you think it's a killer. Yeah. No, it's your boyfriend. But... He's like, okay, whatever, hurry up. And then he leaves, the door opens, pitchfork goes in, impales her right in the stomach, yeah. blood gurgling out, out of her mouth, beautiful death. Yeah, fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I guess at this point we should mention that the effects were done, speaking of Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. um, the incomparable... Special effects wizard Tom Savini. Tom Savini, he did the effects for this one, and he actually considers this to be his best work. Um, I may disagree. I think he's done better work in other movies. I think actually uh, Day of the Dead was his best work ever. But no, there are some incredible gore gags. Uh, the best one near the end. We'll get yeah, <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, so I mean, you know, the, the thing with about our killer, I mean, he's not. Thankfully, he doesn't. He, he does wield another weapon that's a little bit more appropriate. Well, yeah, I should say like, he does. He has a bayonet, mm-hmm. which at least you know makes sense given his uh, his his veteran status, and so he. Has that uh, attached to his belt mm-hmm. and uses that Im- implement as well. Yeah, and there's an incredible scene where he kills one of the uh, the paramours of the girls, you know, the dormitory uh, sorority sisters, whatever. With the, you know, he sticks the the bayonet right through the back of the guy, right through the top of the guy's head, out through his jaw, blood everywhere. The guy's eyes roll back in his head. Yeah, it was really disgusting. Yeah, amazing, awesome. great kill. So again, this movie has got incredible kills. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, the, the thing is, so we have this town, we have this, this dance. Now, the other thing we, that I don't know if we mentioned is that earlier in the film, they alluded to a robbery, which mm-hmm. occurred in a neighboring town. Neighboring town, yeah, mm-hmm. in, a, in a corner store where the, uh, I guess, the proprietor was gunned down. And given that there's a boat, they're both small towns, this caused some concern of where the killer might be heading elsewhere mm-hmm. uh, afterward. And, and I guess word got around to this sheriff's deputy Mm-hmm. That this should be cause for concern. Yeah, and he starts to put the word out a little bit that maybe they should, you know, 
I, I was it at this point that uh, everyone was confined to the the inside of the dance hall and urged not to leave? Not quite, because no, okay. <laughs> yeah, cause during the dance, uh, one of the girls, uh, Lisa, gets a little bit bored and she storms out and decides to go for a dip in a pool. And Never good, yeah. Yeah. So she and her boyfriend was supposed to um, meet her, uh, her boyfriend Paul. And um, Lisa's there, you know, and she's, uh, she's swimming in her bikini and she's about to get out of the pool when this uh, boot kicks her in the face. Yeah, and she no. falls back in the water and... Kind of similar to, again, Friday the 13th Part 1, where, you know, Jason comes from behind, like the, yeah. the, the, the little boy Jason at the bottom of the lake, yes. you know, there's a prowler, yeah. he's caught her by the, you know, by the neck, neck yeah. and he's, yeah, and he's, he's going all stabby on her, and next thing you know, the water's filled with blood, another killer, so, um, yeah, at this point, uh, the Deputy Jenner, uh, <laughs> the guy haircut, yeah, he's, um, he's there at the dance, and he starts to spread the word that, yeah, something a little dangerous might be happening, so mm. let's... Let's stay inside until we figure out what's going on. Now, one of the um, one of the collegiates tells one tells that one of the teachers, one of the authority figures, "Hey, Lisa left. Like, you know, maybe we should go see what's going on. Then take a look at her." She goes out she, to look for Lisa. She finds her. She finds a bloody pool, but she doesn't find Lisa. Mm-hmm. Lisa was taken elsewhere, and we'll get to that in a moment. And then she gets it. She gets killed with the bayonet. Oh, and, and meanwhile, of course. Uh the, the the bowl of punch is being spiked inside the uh, the, na- the dance hall, and this incredible band is playing, and uh, they're pretty good, eh? Uh, kind of a good uh, rock band in the vein of uh, kind of a Thin Lizzy or Foreigner kind of thing. And, and yeah, I yeah. noticed uh, I they, say, they a... played the same song twice. Like what kind of like, crummy band has such a short like um, body repertoire, of work? Yeah, yeah repertoire. Yeah. No, they have to repeat like because... within an hour. Yeah, no, I, you're right. I mean, the band was fairly kick-ass. I mean, yeah. the sound reminded me a bit of, of Thin Lizzy with a little bit, almost like Kiss with like yeah. Israeli on vocals. Unfortunately, their lead singer looked like Mike Reno from Loverboy. So, <laughs> yeah, a little bit of Dire Straits but, thrown into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of a Mark Knopfler thing going on with the headband and whatnot. But it got, I, I was thinking to myself, and as I was watching this, I'm like, whatever happened to live bands playing in high school dances? Yeah, it's it, true. It, always in movies, that's what you would see. You would see yeah. live bands playing at high school dances. Um, now, I don't know about you, when you were in high school, did you attend many a dance? Mm-hmm. We were I wouldn't say... High school, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a question for the audience out there. I wouldn't say many a dance, but I attended the odd one, right. and it seemed to be exclusively DJs. Always DJs. Yeah. Always DJs. I, that's the thing. Like I, I've only, I went to one dance, and I went to the prom. That was it. We talked about my prom escapades on our prom night podcast. Yeah. So talking about, you know, me going prom stack. You weren't so much escapades, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, hey, man. What happened in that Howard Johnson Hotel is going to stay at Howard Johnson Hotel. That's all I'm going to say. But, Unless they cleaned it, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, fair but, yeah, no, I mean, DJs, I've never seen a live band, in my experience, at a school dance. Yeah, true. We've had battle of bands, mm-hmm. but that's something else entirely. For sure. In fact, did you... Did you, have, you have dancers, you have rappers, you have everything, DJs, but no live bands. Yeah. But in movies, there was always a live band. And the funny thing is, is, is they'd be playing their songs, so they weren't, yeah. be, you know, songs that were, you would think, unknown to the, uh, to the kids. Yeah. They'd all be pulling into it and loving it. Yeah. And, and this band was pretty fucking kick-ass, awesome. I gotta say. <laughs> While the cop, the deputy, Mark, now, of course, he's got absolute authority because uh, the sheriff, George, I mean, he went fishing. He's gone. Um, and Mark is like, okay, like, Things are happening. People are dying. We got to figure things out. And he does a little investigating of his own. They go into um, Major Chatham's house, 
and they see a um, was it a painting or a photograph? I think it was a photograph. And they 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 hunt through Major Chatham's uh, memorabilia yeah. and, and through, all this is uh, personal effects from the war. And yeah, and, and through crack, uh, you know, Scooby Doo esque <laughs> detective skills, they find out that that was Francis Rosemary Chatham. Yeah. So it's actually it was his daughter. His mm-hmm. daughter was the one who was killed 35 years ago by the Prowler. Ah, now we know why he was so reticent to hold the, the dance. True, true enough. Mm-hmm. But still, and, why, why, why spoil it for everybody else? That is true. I mean, the grieving process is, is tough, you know? I mean, but you don't have to involve an entire town. You know? It's most certainly an outlier. Like, you can't, there's no cause and effect relationship yeah. between holding a dance and murdering. Like, yeah, I mean, it's not like there's some sort of vendetta yeah. where it's like, I'm going to get that killer. It's like, just, you know, the killer was never found, so fuck it. I you promise know? to ruin every dance you have. Unless you stop having them, I will kill everyone who attends such dances. Unless that was the the throne, you know the and that was sort of like the, the my Blade Valentine yeah thing, yeah I mean not this it's just like you know what my daughter was killed at a dance fuck all of you man yeah. no more dances <laughs> yeah. it's like it's like it's like uh, Footloose you know what I mean yeah yeah like, why, why why were they not allowed to dance in that Podunk uh, Utah town I don't know it's been so long since I've seen it but yeah anyway. I, I don't recall yeah. and, and this is this is a Podunk town as well like, how is it that they have this is a university town mm-hmm. so presumably the college has. Let's say at, at smallest, let's say five to ten thousand students. Yeah, that would be. A they have university. two cops in the whole town, mm-hmm. and the one guy's fishing, and the other guy's just left over. Yeah. So assuming there's townies, there's got to be at least twenty thousand people. What how, kind of police force is in this town? However, when we did talk about my boy Valentine, one of the things you mentioned you learned was that you know they, for such a small town, they keep things in house. Yeah. <laughs> in, in, in this one, there was mention of state police. Finally, yes, yeah. at least, yeah, calling for backup. Mm-hmm. State police on the case. Mark and his collegiate girlfriend, Pam, get word from this sort of, like, very nefarious shopkeeper by the name of Kingsley that some kids are causing some ruckus in a graveyard. Now, this guy, Kingsley, is another sort of red herring who really never came to any fruition. <laughs> yeah. They go to the graveyard to investigate. They find an open grave. It's Rosemary's grave. Yes. Rosemary's not in the coffin. It's Lisa, the one that was killed in the swimming pool. So and, Yeah, and that leads to the immortal line, I found an open grave out there. It's been opened. Yeah, so, you know, again, riveting stuff. You know? <laughs> David Mamet is still safe on the dialogue front, you know. But yeah, again, yeah. so they and then yeah, uh, yeah, Sorkin had nothing to do with this, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then uh, you know, Deputy Mark London dives into the grave, uh, struggles with trying to open the tomb, and you know they find out that basically the grave of Rosemary has been ransacked. Yeah. And he and he has to. So at this point, he's like, "Okay, well, I better look the sheriff." Uh, so he calls up the motel where the sheriff is staying, which is a pretty fucking hilarious scene. Yeah, yeah. fat ass, lazy. Yeah, it's like a comic book clerk. guy just uh, yeah. running the the motel. And he's like, "Well, can I speak to uh, Sheriff George Fraser?" And it's this protracted scene where he can't find a pen. I don't know why I remember this. And, he, and then he, he writes down like the uh, the message on some pizza well, he, like, like, he, uh, he pretends to go looking for something. him, but he doesn't get up. He just yeah. says, oh, okay, you want to talk to him? I'll go see if I can find him. And he just sits there. Mm. And good help is hard to find. If he's, you know, yeah, he's being put upon. Yeah. yeah, it's just like, it's silly. But anyhow. Um, ultimately, this is a body count movie, right? Mm-hmm. It's how many young people can the Prowler kill before we deduce his identity and or he is stopped. And it comes down to a, um, a mono-a-mono between Mark and the Prowler. And I gotta say, man, I mean, this 
reveal of the killer was one of the one of the stupidest, most lazy reveals I've ever seen. Well, at least at least we can, can see that it was not telegraphed in any way because it makes no sense whatsoever. Because they offered no explanation. Yeah, yeah. As to why this particular person was donning those fatigues and going out there and killing, other mm. than just so they also go. Well, I didn't expect that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So. You know, I mean, yeah, it, ultimately the killer is um, revealed. However, there is one other death that we have to talk about. Uh, we talked about, um, you know, Tom Savini saying this is his best work. Well, I mean, Tom Savini, one thing the guy does incredible work with is Shotgun Blast to the Head. This was seen in Maniac. In Maniac, yes. And in this one, there This is, one was, uh, yeah, it was Scanners-esque. Oh, this amazing, incredible. There is a, a character, and he gets uh, a shotgun... I think it's to the bottom of his jaw, and his head just blows up in glorious fashion. Yeah. This movie, it's it's stupid as all hell, really, mm. but it's worth seeing just for that scene and some other really, really incredibly gory deaths. Yeah, and uh, without without the input of of Tom Savini, one can only wonder where this thing would have gone. Is really, it's your standard, I would say, paint by numbers '80s horror. Mm-hmm. There's a goofy prologue, a goofy dance. Uh, a, a silly warning it's not heated a bunch of co- co-eds getting weed and getting drunk and getting laid mm-hmm. a, a mysterious masked killer like there's really nothing to set this apart yeah, other than you got, you got your, your requisite nudity the guy yeah. in the shower you got yeah other than the spectacular effects of Tom Savini. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And especially, yeah, the knife through the boyfriend's skull was so cool, and that'll stand up with anything that's come out today. Yeah, and as I said, the shotgun blast to the head was was absolutely incredible. Why mm-hmm. that why that hasn't become a meme? I mean, Scanner should be a meme. That was yeah, yeah. just incredible. <laughs> yeah. But this, this one should be a meme as well. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant death. And this film was made for a million bucks. So, you know, mm-hmm. it was a pretty, pretty uh, small budget. It did, it did fairly well in the box office. Um, and it led to Zito directing uh, Friday 13th Part 4, the final chapter, which, yet again, I'm going to say is the ultimate Friday 13th, in my yeah. opinion. And, and also some, uh, I guess, canon Chuck Norris affair as well. Yeah. So this mm-hmm. certainly didn't, uh, you know, hamper his career. So well, what it, is, it just hampered the career of every actor in that was in it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, those that were behind the camera yeah. managed to go on and do some other stuff. So, um... What did you learn from the Prowler? Uh, okay, another another um, compliment here. So we don't want to seem like we're too disparaging, even though it is again sort of fairly rote. Uh, pretty neat cinematography. Pretty good, good camera work. It was the same guy, I guess, Joao Fernandez, who did, um, who did. I think it was him who did um, Children of the Corn. Mm-hmm. So movie looks great. It's directed really well. There's nice shadows. There's like nice wandering around in dark hallways. There's I would say some good. Too much okay, around. yeah, there's toward the lot, end. There's yeah. a lot of dolls just walking around. Yeah, and, yeah. Some good jump scares. And, you know, again, okay, what did you learn? I, I, you know what? I, I, one thing I learned really is that, I mean, you know, I, maybe I did sound a little disparaging uh, as we were talking about this movie. You know what? It was an A slasher, and A slashers are good. I mean, they're fun movies. This one is sort of like on the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to A slashers, although it does have its fans. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, there's something about the A slasher. I mean, there's something just so cool about them that horror filmmakers today just can't seem to replicate. I mean, what was the last good slasher that you could think of? Recent slasher? Yeah. Oh boy, that's a tough one, isn't it? That is a tough one. I mean, most of the slashers that are made today are sort of like self-referential. I mean, like, i.e., your screams. Now, actually, the first scream, 
besides being a self-referential slasher, was a good slasher. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a good movie. I will even go so far as to say the second stream was good as well. Then it sort of went downhill. But yeah, they just don't make them like they used to anymore. I mean, yeah, this one's a bit rogue. This one's a little bit, uh, you know, uh, derivative of what some of the stuff that came before and a lot of the stuff that came after. But it's still got great gore, great kills, good nudity. It's a pretty decent time. It's worth a rental, you know? For sure. Yeah, so as far as slashers go, this one is... It's, it's, it's in the middle of the pack, I guess, somewhere. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, star rating, Chris, what would you say? I would give this a solid three-star general out of five. Stones, Tom Savini, it's going to be knocked down to two, but right. because the killings were incredible, knife to the head, uh, double shotgun blast to the noggin, uh, skewering in the shower, yep. hoisting up the body, right, you know, against the tile, just amazing kills that put it, you know, into a different level there. But without Tom Savini, of course, you know, it's your run-of-the-mill uh, slasher. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm going to give it uh, two and a half bayonets through the skull. I mean, like, I, I, thought, I thought a lot of it was sort of uh, stuff really boring, but like you said before, the kills were well worth seeing, and the band was pretty fucking cool. Mm. So, yeah, it, it, it's it's good. It's not, you know, it's not... It's the transcendent top. or anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's, it's decent. And as I said before, it's got its fans. So the Prowler... Worth a watch. Mm-hmm. And for more, I would say... Check, check out, out our website. Yeah, www.reallyawfulmovies.com. Twitter, awful underscore movies. And we'll talk to you soon. Take care.